And um, all right, let's get into the word. Acts, today will be our last message from this passage that we've been looking at, Acts chapter 12, verse 7 through 10. We're going to read it on the New Living. You can, you can look to the uh, screen if you don't have your computer or notes or iPad or phone. And I encourage you to have something where you can write things down. Because if you're anything like me and the other 99.999% of humanity, we tend to forget. Not everything. Next time your wife says, did you get everything I told you at the store? What store? Yeah. <laughs> Write things down. It shows importance. Thank you, Father God, for blessing your people today. Verse 7, suddenly there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed and put on your sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel. I want to bring emphasis to that for a quick second. So Peter left. He didn't leave because he planned it. He didn't leave because he had a great idea. Peter left following. We've been talking about moving into that next season that God has for you as he does for the person next to you. Wherever you're at in the journey of life, Proverbs says that the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. New Testament says that this way, we go from glory to glory. So we are growing. Romans 8, 29 tells us that we are growing into the image of Christ. God has a purpose and a destiny for us, and for all of us, there is a next season. If you're like, no, I think I've reached the epitome of my next season, well, no, you haven't. Because the final season is when you step into eternity. So as long as you're on this side of eternity, there's still more for us to learn, more for us to do, more for us to have, more people for us to reach. And it's, it's willing to not put down the stakes, if you will, of our tent of life and say, I'm going to camp out here for it from now on. And some people do that. And God loves them. Jesus loves them. They're going to heaven. They love God. But there's something about loving God to the point of knowing his heart. And if you love somebody, you'll know what's important to their heart. And if you know what's important to their heartbeat, then you want to do what's in, what their will is. Didn't Jesus say, listen, that if you love me, you'll do what I've asked you to do. Jesus said, I haven't come to do the will of my Father, but the, excuse me, I haven't come to do my will, but the will of the Father. I haven't come to say my words, but his words. When we love God, we'll just not want what we can get out of him. We'll want a relationship with him, and out of that relationship, we'll have a heartbeat for other people to reach other people. We'll want to see people get saved and minister to and touch. Amen? So it's not a matter of, okay, I want to get to a level where I'm comfortable. That's the world system. God's system is a kingdom. That means I want to get to a place where I'm dominating, so I'm demonstrating God's goodness, and I can share it with other people and impact their life. In any and every realm of life, not just in the church Sunday building, but in the corporate, in the political, in the school, in the home, in your finances, in your health, in any and every area. God wants you to be prosperous, which means successful, victorious. Why? So that he can demonstrate his goodness that is beyond just you. It's him working in you so he can work through you to impact other people. I always think it's interesting when people, and, and if you're here, don't take it personal, just listen to me for a second. I think it's always interesting when people say, well, I don't believe in prosperity. <laughs> well, why don't you, I mean, the Bible's full of, it, full of it, but let's take the big picture. Why not? Well, I don't think I need that much. And that's, the, that's a transitional thought that messes people up. 
Because the idea is that if you have a lot, you have to spend a lot on yourself. What if, what if you keep your salary the same? Let's add $10 million to it. I'm just going to throw a big number out. $10 million next year to it, and you give that $10 million to foreign missions. And you don't spend anymore. Can you see the difference? So all of a sudden now, prosperity is not just me having stuff. And God doesn't mind you having stuff. He just doesn't want stuff to have you. But as having a big picture of God, everything comes from your hand. It all belongs to you. I'm your child. What do you want me to do? Who do you want me to impact? Can you imagine being able to go to somebody who has a heart and a passion, but not the, the finances to do ministry? Maybe it's another pastor. Maybe it's a church. Maybe it's a mission field. Maybe it's whatever. And be able to walk in and say, what do you need? And they're like, we need a roof. Our roof is leaking. We can't house the people, and we're trying to feed them. I'll take care of that. God's placed it on my heart to give you money to fix your roof and to feed your people. I mean, how, how amazing would that be? So it's having the big picture that God doesn't want us to camp out in the journey of life, not because he just wants us to look great. He wants us to be great for his glory to help impact other people. It's all about impacting people, living a life that honors God and impacts our family, friends, and neighbors. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus talked about it. I mean, the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself, and went into the whole thing about a neighbor. Who is my neighbor? And the story is about the man who helped someone in need. Not trying to get in greed. Now, there is danger pits to even the prosperity gospel, but you, are you listening to me? There's a danger extreme pit in every teaching and principle, no matter what it is. No matter what it is. Give me one principle that you know is true that's in the Word of God, and I'll show you an example of people that have taken it too far and have made it dangerous. So when all of a sudden everything's about people and what you can get from them so you can live the life, that's not the plan of God. Do you ask people to give and sow? And, yeah, because that's God's system for your prosperity, for your increase. God, so he puts it on your heart to release what's in your hand so he can turn around and put it on somebody else's heart to be a blessing back into you. And that could be through ideas, operations, excuse me, opportunities, uh, generosity, whatever it might be. But it's not saying I'm trying to get something from you. It's beginning to look at life through the lens of how heaven sees it. God, how do you want me to be a blessing to people? Amen. And so there's always the next season. So in this, and we find in the journey of life, let's get back to this context, that there's times in our life, not always, that we deal with giants or challenges, or in this situation, Peter was in a jail. And he is awakened by the angel. The angel comes and wakes him up. The night before he's about to be executed, the man's sleeping. We talked about in quick review, what a great rest. That's a, that's a great Hebrews 4. That's a great place of faith when you can rest and sleep so soundly that the bright light that it says in the prison didn't wake you up. And the, do you know what I mean? He had to smack them to wake them up. Right. Have you ever had to smack somebody or throw cold water on to wake them up? I mean, they are in a deep, he wasn't in a sub, he was in a deep rim sleep. And says, again, let's go back to that verse 7 bright light, and it struck him on the side to awaken him. He said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off. And then the angel said, get dressed. And then he said, follow me. Notice we talked about before how in our journey of life, we, many Christians, if they're not careful, will begin to believe if God wants me to have it, he'll just pour it into my life. I'll just wait for the, the uh, FedEx truck of heaven. Beep, beep. Be back up and delivered to the porch of my life. And we wait, 
and we wait, and we wait, and we wait, and nothing happens because we're not actively involved. God didn't tell the angel, go grab Peter by the back of his collar of his shirt and drag him out of there. God didn't say, for whatever reason, go over there and just touch him and make him disappear and be on the outside of the city. That would be cool. But what did he do? He woke him up in the situation he was in. We want God to translate us out of the situation quickly. We call it a leap of faith, but leap of faith is not in the Bible. It's a walk of faith. And there's many steps to the walk of faith. It's not one decision. It's many decisions. You're like, I'm going to be blessed, and so I'm going to sow. It's not one sowing. It's learning the repetition of being generous. I'm going to be kind. It's not being kind. See, if you've been mean all the time, and you go home to your spouse, and you're kind, you might get kicked out of the house. They're going to, what in the world? You bring your wife roses, and you've been nasty and mean for 20 years, and you bring them roses, she's going to look at you and say, what have you done now? Because it's a process. Hebrews 6.12, be imitators of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So we talked about the three things the angel told him in, in quick summary. And it was get up, get ready, and get going. We have a part of the process in our get going. We have, there's, James says faith without works is dead. There's something that we need to do. Look to your neighbor and say there's something you have to do. Come on, say there's something you have to do. Get up, get ready, get going. Get up. He told them to get up in the situation. And in that moment, everything in the natural, in the situation, dictated that he could not get up. He had chains. But in the situation, when he obeyed the instruction from heaven, as he got up, the chains fell. We said last week, many times in life, we're waiting for God to change the situation before we rise and shine, Isaiah 60. But it doesn't work that way. As you obey God, as you rise, as you stand up to what he tells you to do, then the situation changes. And as they are walking toward a storm, excuse me, walking toward a metal door, a gate, it, the Bible says it opened for them automatically. There'll be times that God will ask you to move in directions that seem impossible, but you're looking at it from the situation. And also the get up, get ready, get going. Today I want to end on this get ready a little bit more as we dig deeper in that. And we've touched base on it a little bit because when God asks you to do stuff, when God gives you an instruction, and that's what around here at Hope Church, and I really believe it's unique in the church world because we don't emphasize things for you to do just because they sound like good things for you to do. We really want you to live out your convictions that come from the Word of God revealed by the Holy Spirit. Because that's faith. Because if you do it without faith, you lose the access of grace, which is the empowerment, and the faith, the power, the ability to receive the results. Even in giving, if you give because someone's made you feel guilty, I don't know I'm talking about money so much. It's not even my notes, but maybe someone's. Have you ever had somebody, maybe it's a loved one, saying, well, you're a Christian. I mean, they don't even go to church. Well, if you're a Christian and love God, you should pay my bills. Ever do that? I'm hurting, I'm short, and I, I need rent. I don't have enough money for rent. And if you really love Jesus, you're a Christian. They're not even saved. Right, right. And now they become the judge of what a Christian should look like. Right, exactly. Has anybody ever had somebody try to put a guilt trip on you about how you should be giving to them? Mm -hmm. Some of us have. I encourage you. All you have to do is anybody ever, if anybody ever comes to you and says, listen, if you're, you're supposed to be a Christian and that you, you should give it to me, just look at them and say, just a minute. 
They'll say, what are you doing? I'm asking Jesus. Hang on, just a minute. He says no. What are they, I mean, what do they know? They're not even saved. See, even in your giving, if you give out of pressure or manipulation, all you get is the reward of feeling that you made that person happy and you got them to like you. But when you give because the Holy Spirit places on your heart to give, and that's in your tithes, that's in your offering, that's in your alms, that's in your seed. We probably need to do a series on that just not to draw, I'll do it after an offering so you don't think I'm trying to manipulate this situation. But a lot of people don't know the difference between the two and they struggle in the receiving of a harvest and they don't understand why there's no harvest and they don't understand the purpose of each one. But anyway, if you do it without revelation, then you're just getting the benefit of just the emotional. But when you do it out of revelation because God compelled and directed you to do it and now you understand the principle, guess what? His power See, if you give to Hope Church because I tell you to give Hope Church, then you're going to be calling me and say, Pastor, I need to raise. And I'll look at you and say, I'm not your Jesus, I'm not your boss. And I don't want to be your boss or your Jesus. Amen? But when I connect you to the Word of God and to your relationship with Him, and He directs you to forgive your neighbor, invite somebody to church, whatever it might be, then you're following His instruction, and His instruction comes with His ability. Can I get an amen? Can I get a better, better amen? Get up, get, get ready, get going. When God asks us to do stuff, it doesn't always make sense. That's why the Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all our heart. Lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct our path. Because in our natural mind, it makes no sense. And I love God because he's got a sense of humor. I'm telling you, Jesus has a sense of humor, folks. He will, he will do stuff just to mess with you a little bit. I mean, the Bible says that. You remember when he fed the 5,000 men, not counting women and children? Remember when he asked the disciples, what do you have? And they said, we don't have anything but a little boy's lunch. And he said, let's start with that. It says in the text, he already knew what he was going to do. So he just doesn't want to do it. He wants to bring you along in the process so you can be part of the miracle, so you can grow in your faith. He will, ask, he will do stuff that's like, I know this is going to mess with their thinking. Peter, you've been fishing all night and caught nothing. You're a professional fisherman. I know the nets are clean. Throw the net on the other side. Come on, somebody. Are you kidding me? Or Peter, it's just Peter and Jesus traveling. They don't have the accountant with them, the treasurer. And so they say, hey, you owe taxes. And Peter's all stressed out. Lord, what are we going to do? They said, we owe taxes. And Jesus is like, it's no big deal. Go take a hook and drop it in the water. And the first fish you pick up on that hook will have a coin in its mouth. Right. Enough to pay for both of our taxes. Right. <laughs> now, you might believe that if you've never fished before. But some of us have fished before. And we know that doesn't happen. Right. You can fish your whole life with the best bait. And it doesn't happen. There is no fish that has ever come on your hook. Now maybe, wait, wait, I don't want to make the assumption, so let me ask, has anybody ever fished, dropped a hook in the water, and a, and a fish got on the hook with a coin in their mouth? Anybody? I just want to give everybody a chance. It doesn't happen. Peter would know it doesn't happen. Why? Because Peter was a professional fisherman. So he'll, he'll ask you to do stuff that you know is not going to work. Just to see if you trust him enough. 
just to see if you'll trust him. He's not trying to jerk your chain. He's just seeing where your level of faith and trust is. So he'll ask you to do something that in your natural mind doesn't make sense. But see, he again, he is the author and finisher of faith. Looking unto Jesus, the Bible says, the author and finisher of our faith, he is the completer. So he stands in the place of finished work looking at you in your process work. And he'll tell you in the situation what he wants you to do to get ready for the solution, not the situation. Because back to Peter, if I was Peter and my, the chains just came off and I was about to be killed the next day, first of all, I probably wouldn't be sleeping. I mean, I'd keep everybody awake with my loud prayer. Come on, somebody. Oh, Jesus. Right? Come on, some of us, we'd be screaming. We would be rattling the, everything, right? Snot would be going everywhere. I mean, they'd be like, I'm not chained, getting chained to him because they had guards chained next to each other. I mean, I would, I would, not to be gross, I wouldn't even, I'd be, you know how dogs do it? You know, they'll take a drink of water. My dog just did this to me recently. Took a drink of water, and then they shake their head, and it goes everywhere. I would do that. Just, to, you're going to kill me tomorrow? I'm getting every shot I can in here. I'm going to let snot fly. I'm going to let tears fly. I'm just going to shake my head. I'm like, and when the chain, an angel shows up and the chains fall, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take off running. The last thing I want to do is look for my left sandal. Right? Where do they put the clothes? Obviously, he didn't have all those clothes on because he was told, put on the clothes. So that means that they weren't on, and if they're not on, where they put them? I don't know. If, I, I doubt very seriously if they had a policy in the prison of take off their shoes and their clothes and fold them nicely and set them right behind them because we want to keep it nearby so when we take them. I doubt, so he's got to find them somewhere. And then you finally get your shoes on and your clothes. He says, now put your coat on also. Are you kidding me? Let's get outside. Let's get going. I can buy a coat anywhere. I'd rather be cold and free than warm in jail. Well, when God's telling you to obey quickly, it's not because he's in a rush. He's directing you for your destiny. Get, say, get ready. I'm going to close with this one verse. Shout, get ready. There's a story in the Gospel of John, chapter 2. And in the story, it's what the Bible refers to as Jesus' first miracle. It's at the wedding of Canaan. Now, I personally believe that this was a wedding at, at Jesus' mother's house. Joseph, Joseph's not mentioned, so many people believe that he's already passed, he was older than Mary. Because when the head of the household passes, then it goes to the firstborn son. Because if you're having a, a wedding celebration and you run out of something, why would a guest worry about it? Right? You wouldn't say, oh, i got to solve the problem. You'd be like, who's running this show? And for her to go to Jesus, and so they're, they're run out of wine, and Mary jumps in to solve the problem and begins to tell the servants, come here, and they bring them to Jesus. Now, he has yet to do a miracle. So if, if there was a revelation there, an understanding, I, I don't really know. I could see it go either way. I could see it being Mary's like, hey, Jesus, I need you to solve this problem. You're in charge of every, all the money and everything. Can you fix this? we got a problem. Or it could be, man, I've been watching him grow, and the anointing is I mean, the presence of God, the hand of God, and I know who he is. Maybe he can solve this problem. Because he had yet to do a miracle. So she approached, they approached Jesus before they saw a miracle from Jesus. Oh, we could preach on that right there. 
Some of us are waiting for God to do something before we approach him to do it. Sometimes you've got to approach him for who he is before you approach him for what you can get from him. So they approach Jesus, and they, Mary says, listen to the servants. And this is the verse I want to read. Verse 6 in the Amplified. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you to do it. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Say that with me. Let's emphasize the last part. Whatever. Okay, you guys are really slow. I'm going to give you a countdown. You guys have been amazing all the way to this point, and you're, the last lap you're going to start walking on me. No. Ready? One, two, three. Whatever he says to you, do it. If you ever want to know the plan of God in the journey of life, that phrase there is simple yet profound. Whatever he says, you can say it this way, whatever Isaiah 55 refers to as God's word goes forth out of his mouth. Whatever he says, whatever he speaks to you, whatever he reveals literally to you, not to your neighbor, not to the guy who wrote a book, not to the person you saw on TV. Whatever he speaks to you, because he is the word, John 1, 1 and John 1, 14. Whatever he tells you, whatever he says to you, one translation says simply obey. Don't complicate it. Don't overanalyze it. The angel told Peter, quick or quickly, get up. It's good to use wisdom. It's good to use counselors. It's good to think things through. But when you know you have a revelation in your spirit from heaven, at that point, we don't need to delay. We just need to obey. Simply obey. Simply obey. How many times in all of our lives, including mine, where I look back and say, man, I saw it where God kind of directed me and I missed the direction. I don't know about you. I, I joke about it because we need to know who we are and our strengths and weaknesses. And one of my challenges is I am... I am horrible at direction. I, I, I struggle at it. It's the weirdest thing for me because, and my dad was the complete opposite. He would always be, we'd drive down the road years ago when I was learning how to drive, and he, he'd say, son, where's west? I don't know where west is at. Point to Kansas. I'm not going to Kansas. I don't care where Kansas is at. It's right over there. You know, it's right over there. And right now, I don't know. Right over there is where Kansas is at because I have no idea where north, south, east, and west is. I, in high school, when I, they taught me north, south, east, west, north was always up. North, south, east. East is always to my right. Regardless, isn't that weird? And that's just, it, it's just in my brain, in my wiring. I can tell I'm, I'm great on certain things when it comes to spacing, but I'm horrible on distance and direction. And so it annoys me when people tell me, go three blocks and go south. Don't tell me south. Don't tell me blocks. Tell me, go to the Chick-fil-A that everybody loves and take a right. I can get that. Right? Don't give me the three blocks in south. I don't get it. And for me, when I get lost, I know I get lost. And when I know I get lost, I start to panic. I go faster. Did anybody else do that? I mean, I have. I remember in high school dropping a friend off at their house late at night on a Friday night and be driving and get lost in their crazy neighborhood. And I, I mean... It's the mercy of God that, one, I got out of there. Two, I didn't get arrested because I am flying down that road because I get lost. I'm going faster. 
And if I get to a turn and I have to turn, I, I, my logic, and tell me there's no logic in this, I go left. <laughs> I figure if I keep making lefts, if I'm ever wrong, I'll at least be back where I started and I can figure it out again. I go left. So what has solved that? A navigational system. Because I don't always see the signs. I don't always see the street. And later when I go by, oh, that makes sense. I remember that road. It's bad, folks. you got to pray for me. I'll walk out of a store in the mall when malls used to be more open. And I, I walk out of a store in a mall, and I'll be like, did I come from... I know nobody can relate to that. Did I come from that side or did I come from that side? Three days later, there I am going back and forth. It's never that bad. And in life, if we're not careful, we'll get so worked up in the journey, in the stress, in the winds of storms and problems and opportunities, good things and bad things, and everything in between thing, and we'll get so, we'll go so fast that we don't slow down to find the direction of God, and we miss the moments he just says, over here. We need a spiritual navigational system. That's where the, we can learn to get quiet. That's why it's so important to spend time with the Lord in your own prayer time in the, in the Word. It slows you down. It gets quiet on the inside so you can get a, a direction from God. Not looking for voices. You look for voices, the devil will mess with you. Look to the Word of God, the written Word of God, and He'll reveal it to you. you got to grow in this thing. Can I get an Amen. And so we go back to this, whatever he says to you to do, just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Nike's made a lot of money on that. Just do it. Just do it. And you know what you need to do? Just keep doing it Amen. until he redirects you. You don't need to get on the road and then take the next right. And unless he tells you to take the next right, stay on the path you're on. Just keep doing it. Amen. And that is, a, that is a challenge for us. In the context of what Jesus told the servants, in closing, in the context of what Jesus told the servants, he told them, now, here's what I want you to do. He didn't pull out a lot of money and say, go buy. He just said, hey. I want you to take the water that's over here in these pots that's, that's used for ceremonial cleansing, and I want you to begin to take them and move I want, We're going to move some water. We're going to take it from over this area, excuse me, and put it into this pot. And so the servants begin to move water from this area where they would wash and begin to put it and pour it into pots. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I would assume that there's more than one servant. I think logically we can agree with that, and because it's plural, servants. And the Bible doesn't tell us how many times they went. But if I know the, and understand the process of heaven and how God works, I guarantee you it wasn't a quick, just grab a little water and everything happened. I believe those servants had to keep pouring. Stay with me. Some of us, you've been in that, that process of faith. Hebrews 6.12 says, let's be imitators of them who through faith and patience, through faith and patience. Nobody likes that patient thing. All you're doing is pouring water. It doesn't make sense. Your mind is saying, this is dumb. I'm wasting my time. Has, that, has anybody ever been at work and your boss gave you a job to do and it felt like he was wasting your time? Never at Hope Church. Come on, staff. And, and, and you're just pouring water. They're just pouring water. Poor. And I, I wonder how many times they're going back and forth. 
I'm, I'm really messing with the camera people right now, but they're, they're working at it, and I'm going back and forth, and they're pouring. And I imagine as they passed each other, they probably started giving each other eye contact, like, come on, right? Let's get real. Let's be human about this. Let's just not, and they're, they're getting water, and they're pouring. They're t- taking it, and then they pour it. They take it, and they're pouring it. And we don't know how many times they kept doing it. And I guarantee you, they did it for a while. And all of a sudden, they, all they're doing is they are, they are obeying the instruction that has been received from heaven, from the Word, from Jesus. He is the Word. And so they are just, some of us have been living in that for years. All we're doing is we're pouring, we're pouring. We're taking water from there to there. And we know within ourselves there's something greater. Some of you know you have a great destiny ahead of you. Some of you know the hand of God is on your life for great things. Some of you know that where God's taking is bigger than where you've been and where you're at. And you get frustrated with the process of all I'm doing, God, is I'm pouring. And nobody sees what's on the inside of me because all they see is me pouring water. This is not glamorous. This is not enjoy. It was fun at the first, but on the 42nd trip, this is no longer fun. On the 112th trip, this is now quite annoying. At the 400th trip, I am so sick of this. I don't want to even see water the rest of my life. I am tired of this. I'm going to go look and see if there's another job this weekend. I'm going to, I am changing. I'm jumping ship. I am so, some of us have crossed every emotional, logical process in our imagination while we're pouring water because he told us to pour water, but it makes no sense. God, I know there's something greater, and I'm talking to a few of you. I don't know who you are, but God said, listen, if you keep obeying me, keep obeying me. They don't see what's on the inside. I see it, but the miracle doesn't happen. Are you listening to me? The miracle of water changing in the wine didn't happen when they gathered it. It didn't happen when they carried it. It didn't happen when they released it. It happened when he said, now share it. We talked about several steps in that process of destiny. We talked about a desire. you got to get a desire from God. Delight in him and he'll place his desire in your heart. You have to have in that desire. Just don't run on the desire. You have to have a direction. He might give you a burden for the Philippines, but that doesn't mean sell everything you have and go to the Philippines. It might be let's send some money to the Philippines and let them do what they know what to do with it. How many times are we going to get to heaven and say, God, I did this. And he said, I didn't ask you to do it, but I had such a burden. Yeah, that was for you to pray for him. We'll jump on the burden without the direction. We need the desire, but we need the direction. We need desire, direction, and then we need the discipline. That discipline of, God, I know I don't feel like it today, but you asked me to do this. God, I know I don't even want to do this today, but you've told me to to row with this, to walk in this lane. Joel tells us that in the last days there's coming where there will be an army that has never been nor will ever be after. I believe it's the church in the last days. Nothing will be withheld from them. Because it talks about them following the command of the Lord, the God of Israel. And one one quick thing, again, challenge everything I say with your own personal study time of the word. It says that they will not break rank. 
Some of us, our frustration we deal with internally in the rhythm of life is not because we're bad people. We keep jumping ships. We keep breaking rank. We keep on changing plans. We keep on saying, I've done the water. I got it down. I figured it out. Okay, Jesus, I'm ready for the next. And he said, great, I'm glad you're ready for the next. But there's something I want to instill on the inside of you that has yet come to a place of maturity and development. And more than water, there's a miracle coming. Because what you have to understand is God will ask you to walk through a process not to hold you up and hold you down, but he's developing in you so that you can handle the miracle of what is about to happen. Because he didn't say, now let me, let me hand out the water once it's been converted. He said, no, now that you've been doing it, you've been faithful. The season has changed. The time has come for demonstration. You have been disciplined. Now it's time for a demonstration. Say, demonstration's coming. That's when God's getting ready to display what he's been working on the inside of your pot for these years, and you have not seen it. You've just been faithful. I've been faithful doing this. I've been faithful doing that. And I haven't seen much difference. I'm just being faithful. You keep doing what the Lord shows you to do, and there is a season coming. And I speak that over your life for it to accelerate, to move into the season of display and demonstration. And then Jesus said, now take the water that you poured. Now take it to the place of most importance. I'm going to put you in front of kings. I'm going to put you in front of powerful people. And when they took the water, you know what? I believe with all my heart. Now I could be wrong, but this is my opinion. I believe that the water was still water when it was being drawn. I believe the water was still water when it was being carried. You're like, what's this got to do with spiritual stuff? All I'm doing is maybe filling boxes and moving them to a shelf. Never overlook or underestimate them. Something that looks practical but have a supernatural spiritual connection. I believe the water was still water while it was being drawn. I believe the water was still water when it was being uh, carried over. I believe the water was still being water when it was poured into the container. I believe that the water was still water when they pulled it out to serve it. It would have been cool to say, wow, look at that water. When you put that water in, it turns colors. It changes. Go get some more. But I believe they looked at that big old bucket and said, it's still water. And Jesus said, now take some and serve it. And I believe they looked at that water and saying, we are all in trouble. I think he's lost it. But they realized that their understanding was not the dictating factor. Their trust was a dictating factor. Yes. And I believe that as they scooped it out, it was still water. I believe as they went to walk and hand it, it was still water. Now, you can disagree with me. I believe it wasn't until he began to drink that it began to change. Why? Because here's, here's, the, here's the last thought to this. A lot of us, and we're all there, we want God to anoint us before we get there. Come on. <laughs> Let me go over to this side. Because I know none of you. We want, we want to feel the anointing before we step out into it. Oh, God, give me the right words to say before I'm in the conversation. Oh, God, prove to me it's going to work before I share it. Oh, God, do the, show me the miracle before I give it. We want God to do it and confirm it to us emotionally so that we know that we are doing the right thing before we take a risk, but it doesn't work that way. God will ask you to pray for somebody at your work, and you feel nothing spiritually because the miracle is not in your feelings. It's in your obedience, and it might look like water when you're getting ready to serve it, but it will become wine when they begin to receive it. Do you see my point? It'll look like water when you start, but it'll be wine when they receive it. It'll look like water when it looks like you're just, I don't know, it doesn't make sense. I don't feel it. God told me to give it. God told me to do this. God told me to share this. God told me to invite somebody. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. It looks like water through the process, but the person receiving it in a millisecond, he turns it from water of land to miracle heaven wine. 
I've been there. Okay, God, if this is you, give me a goosebump. Give me a, a feeling. Oh, God, confirm it. And there's some of the greatest answers to prayer. Somebody even praying for the sick was come out of situations that I felt nothing from heaven when I was doing it. But God told my heart, spoke to my heart to do it. And as I obeyed him, as I obeyed him, I kept doing. I was, do, I was being faithful. If you're faithful in the little, you're going to be faithful in much. Some of us, we want God to elevate us to the top. But we've been faithful with nothing. We've been And if you're faithful with nothing, you can't expect to go to something you got to be willing to do what God shows you to do but in the process don't worry about the miracle in the, the miracle is in there you don't see it yet but when you begin to release it why don't they let me sing a solo now FYI I never preach of any situation or problem that we deal with so anytime I say something it's not because we've had it happen so don't look around and say, is that you? <laughs> That's just wisdom I received years ago. I never preach. That way I can feel free. I don't, I don't even counsel. Do you know why I don't counsel? Because when I'm in the pulpit under that anointing, I want the freedom of saying what God speaks to my heart to say. And it could be right in line with what you need and think, pastor knows, and I don't know. I tell my counselors, don't tell me, unless it's like a life-changing, threatening, we need to know. But I don't. So that way I'm never, because I don't want that thought crossing my mind of, oh, I see them and now i got to say something. No, no, I don't, I don't know. So I, I don't, let me sing a solo. I want to sing a solo. I can sing a solo better. Maybe you can, but maybe there's something in the process we're still developing. Because the last seven churches that let you sing a solo, you were quick to judge and left. And more than you performing, God wants you ministering. And to minister, you've got to learn to serve. You've got to learn to serve. But I'm telling you, the miracle, I don't believe the miracle happened. The water was still water there. The water was still water in the, in the journey. The water was still water in the pouring. The water was still water in the gathering. The water became wine when they began to receive. And I've noticed that in my own life. The supernatural, the things that God does, doesn't happen because I'm feeling it. It happens because they're receiving what God has for them in the mix. All I know is I'm just simply, whatever he tells me to do, simply obey. Get up, get ready, and get going. If you received anything from that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Keep filling your pots. Keep filling your pot. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and if you do not have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, everything starts out of that relationship. It's not joining a denomination. It's not joining a religion. It's not, it's about, do you have a real relationship? In the way you process, in the way you experience, do you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? Only you can answer that. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm telling you, Jesus loves you. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. He paid the price for sin so that you could be free from sin, free from condemnation. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, you can actually know your heart's right. You've got a clear conscience, and that weight and that burden of sin is gone. And you, have a, you know you're going to heaven. You have the peace and the joy that only comes from him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If that's you, this is your opportunity. Revelation 3, he says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you hear my voice and open up, I'll come in. He will not force you. 
He will not force you. He will not force you. But he gives you an opportunity. He, he reaches out to you. This is your invitation today to receive what belongs to you. To know him. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Romans 10 says, those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you mean business with God, this is your opportunity to get right with God. Say this prayer. Follow this prayer with me from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I repent of all my sins. I turn to you today. I believe in my heart, and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth in the flesh, died on a cross for my sins, was buried for me, and on the third day rose again for me. Because I believe that, I ask you, Jesus, to come into my heart, wash me in your blood, forgive me, cleanse me, give me a fresh start. Say, Jesus, I don't want a religion. I want a real relationship with you. So I ask you right now for you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. I surrender. I receive you today. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Now here's what I want you to do. I want to speak a blessing of your life if you prayed that prayer. First of all, I want to say welcome to the family of God. We're not here to control your life. We're here to help and assist you in life, to live the life that God has for you. But here's what I want you to do. It's, it, in my opinion, one of the things that the devil has somehow, inch by inch, the devil doesn't work by miles, he works by inches. And from generation to generation, we have lost, in my opinion, globally, a tenacity in the church we have worked more on being politically correct than being right. I don't mean we have to be confrontational, but I also mean we don't have to be intimidated. And that doesn't come from us just being a strong person or a mean person. It comes from God. It comes from the anointing of heaven. The Bible says that, that we're to be filled, be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So I believe as, I honestly believe we are in the last of the last days. And that means that the church is going to get brighter, folks. That's good. But the world's going to get darker. That means we're going to be able to help more people. But that means that if you're not serving them, it's going to be a harder struggle to live for them. And I don't think any, I'm, I'm praying and believing that there will not be one person who's part of Hope Church that will have to deal with that. Because we, we pray and speak into your life on a regular basis. I want you to realize that. You say, well, you, I haven't met you yet. That's okay. We're still praying for you. There's, we're speaking into your life the Word of God. And we're believing. And part of that is that you will stand strong against temptation, against pressure, against the enemy's tactics, that you don't have to emotionally fall apart, you don't have to mentally just have collapse, you don't have to struggle or your knees buckle, no, you can stand strong, having done all, stand, and that comes from God, and so the reason I said all that is if you prayed that prayer, I want you to not only know you're right with God, but I want you to know, I'm going to speak a blessing over your life, that you will walk out of here with the strength from heaven. So that you can stand strong because you know what happens? You're going to have opportunity when you leave here to have a conversation with somebody that God wants you to invite to church. But the devil will also send somebody into your conversation, your life, to try to talk you out of church. you got both sides going. And I want you to be successful on both sides. Amen? Amen? amen. Can I get a better amen?
So if you prayed that prayer this morning and you know you've given the Lord your heart, you've accepted Jesus in your heart and your life, and you know you're saved right now because you just prayed that prayer, at the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet, okay? One, why? You say, I don't know if I'm comfortable standing. I know it feels weird for some of us. I'm in the same boat. I understand that. But if we can't stand for Jesus in a room where people are clapping for us, how do we stand for Jesus in a world who's trying to mock him? Are you listening to me? We are not going to be weak. We are not going to be passive. We are not going to be, we are not going to be uh, children that hide out like the camp of Saul. No, we're going to rise and run to the roar. Amen? We're looking to, for you to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And so if you prayed that prayer and you just gave your heart to the Lord, we'll take a few seconds here. At the count of three, I want you to stand to your feet. One, if you're, some of you are bold to do it quick, be quick so the, those who are passive can be encouraged. One, two, three. Stand to your feet right now. Who am I talking to? I see that. Stay standing. Stay standing. I see that second one. Stay standing. Stay standing. Come on. Three, four. Stay standing. Come on. Give him a hand clap. Five, six. Keep, keep, keep standing. Stay standing. Stay standing if you can. Come on, church. Give him a hand clap as more people are standing. Stay standing so I can pray over you. Father, we thank you for everyone who's standing that just gets, stretch your hands. For everyone who's given their heart to you, Father God, that is standing right now, we thank you for their salvation. We seal them with the precious blood of Jesus and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And according to your word, strengthen them with might by your spirit in the inner man. Let the day starting today, let them never be intimidated by temptation or demons or devils or pressure or storms. Give them supernatural boldness and strength to have peace and strength in every situation. And we call and give you praise. And everyone shouted. God bless you. Give me a hand clap. You may be seated. You may be. Thank you.